Welcome to the Gospel Ministry of Exchange Church. Thank you for connecting with us for our Bible talk today, and please feel free to share these talks with others as well. It's our desire to connect people to Jesus and grow people in Jesus. To find out more about us, please visit our website, www.exchangechurch.org.au. The last few weeks we've been doing some talks around um, just the, the current context we're in with COVID and some of the things that have been challenging us there. I want us to make a change this time and start a new series. This series is actually about change, which I think is really, really important for us as we think about uh, as disciples, uh, who we are, that God calls us into change. Really important aspect of our lives. So we're going to do that over the next few weeks uh, leading up to Christmas. Um, we've actually got a Christmas service we've got planned for December the 19th as well. Uh, so we're going to just do a series of talks uh, around gospel transformation, around change in our lives over these next few weeks as we do that. Uh, and to kick us off today, once I get going here, there it is. Uh, we live in a changing world. Nothing stands still in this world. Uh, from the moment we are born to the day we die, we are changing. We are changing. I heard a while back from uh, Tim Keller that in marriage, we need to learn to fall in love at least six times over our lives. Uh, because the reason is, the man or the woman you met at the altar isn't the same man and woman just a few years later down the track. In other words, we're changing. We're changing. Uh, that's just, again, that's just a reflection of the changing world we live in. We can't stop change. Change is just happening around about us all the time. But God wants us to embrace change and to embrace this for his glory and for our good, the idea of change and transformation in our lives. If you've got your Bibles, please go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And uh, we're going to read from verses 1 through to 8. And really just perhaps zero in on verse 3 for today only. So 1 Thess Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 1 through to 8 says this. Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honour, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger in all these things, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore... Whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. And just back to verse 3, we're just going to focus there. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. Father, thank you. Thank you for this opportunity we get to gather this morning in two locations and some still online at home. We ask and pray, Lord, just uh, let your spirit work through this word now to change our hearts, to change our lives, to bring us down the path, Lord, of sanctification. Uh, a big word, Lord, but help us to sort of think through that today and think through change that you want to bring into our lives. We ask for your help now, Holy Spirit, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Change is something we both want and don't want at the same time, isn't it? 
if we all want to change something about our lives, I, I might want to change my hair colour and quantity of hair. Now, I might really want to change that, but to go through the costly process of hair transfusion or whatever the other thing, oh, maybe I don't want to do that. And I might look a bit differently with that change there. But there's always something we want to do, but we may not want to go through the cost of that. Or if I want to change the look of my home, whether it's a renovation or a rebuild, we might want to go through that change. But when we get the quote back, we're like, oh, I'm not so sure I want to go through that change now because oh, it's going to be too costly for me. And there's going to be an uncomfortable mess that I have to live in for the next few months while this change takes place. But if you want it bad enough, you'll go through that mess. Or you may want to change a relationship with somebody where it's been really painful and hard and difficult and you're really keen to see this relationship take a whole new chapter of peace and harmony in your life and to go into change. But then you look at the painful discussions you may have to go through in that change and the tears that might need to be shed and then you're not sure you want to go through that change because it's going to be really hard. See, change is something we want but don't want at the same time very often. Why do we want change? And why is change necessary? Why do we look at things around about us and a voice sort of rises up within us looking for change, whether it's in our own life or around about us? So we live in this world of change, a world that God has created now is constantly in change around about us. God wants us to change as well. So if we think about that today, here's our big idea as we sort of shape where we're going. The unchanging God calls us into a process of continual change, calling us into the process of the change into the image of Jesus for his glory and our joy. The unchanging God calls us into a process of continual change, shaping us into the image of Jesus for his glory and our joy. That's what we're going to sort of try and end up today as we think about uh, this key verse here out of all those verses in verse 3. So Paul writes to the Thessalonians here a very affectionate letter. This is a church uh, that Paul planted during difficult times in Thessalonica, uh, a church that underwent lots of persecution, probably shortly after the church was planted, but it was a church that really powerfully responded to the gospel. It wasn't sort of a a shallow sort of uptake of the gospel. There was a deep uh, uptake of the gospel there. Basically, Paul was writing this letter to these guys to encourage them and not so much to correct them for this church in Thessalonica. Probably a group of churches maybe around uh, where the Thessalonians were. Only really had one issue this church that Paul was looking at, and that was the return of Jesus, where there was some confusion in this church about what was taking place. So Paul writes to them to reassure them that Jesus, no, hasn't yet returned. That hasn't happened, but at the same time he's encouraging them. And this church really did thrive under persecution. It thrived under persecution. And the reason for that growth that took place in that persecution was because the Thessalonians went through a foundational change in their lives. A really significant foundational change in their lives took place. The Thessalonians had met Jesus Christ through the gospel. They met the living Christ through the gospel. The gospel had made a foundational change in the lives of these Thessalonians. Let's go back to chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, and we'll see here where that change begins to be reflected in these guys. For we know, brothers loved by God, that he has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit with full conviction. And you know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake. 
Paul goes to the Thessalonians here, proclaims the gospel to them, the Holy Spirit comes and awakens their hearts to believe, awakens their hearts to see. And it says there it came in power and with full conviction. So it wasn't just like they heard this word from Paul and did nothing to them. Foundational change took place in these Thessalonians. The Holy Spirit did a work in those people that only he can do. Gave them a new heart, regenerated them, made them into new people. In other words, a foundational change had taken place here amongst these Thessalonians as Paul proclaimed the gospel to them. Uh, They heard the message of Jesus and the Spirit come and opened up their blind eyes and opened up their deaf ears to see Christ through the word and to believe in who he is. Uh, They went from Jesus meaning nothing to them prior to Paul coming. Jesus was just maybe someone they heard about but really meant nothing to them to now all of a sudden, oh no, we believe that Jesus is our Lord and Saviour. He is the Son of God who came and died for us to rescue us and to save us. And Paul again says it in verse 9 and 10 of chapter 1. He says something similar, picking this up. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you, how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. You see that really key line there in that verse of what took place. They turned to God from idols. A foundational change had taken place. The Spirit had worked in them this foundational change. Here's what we need to know about this foundational change as we think about change in general. That God is the initiator of this change. God is the prime mover in this change, particularly this foundational change. It's the Holy Spirit, it's the Spirit of God that gives us the ability to believe and then we act upon that belief. God is the prime mover here in initiating that change in our hearts. And it happens like this. God brings us to a place of realisation that we understand that the world is broken and that I'm broken too. The world is in a mess And my life's in a mess. We get to this realisation of that. And very often God will use a set of circumstances, perhaps in our life, where he actually brings us to ourselves to actually see this truth become alive in our hearts. Yep, the world around me is broken. But just as the world is broken, so too am I. I'm a mess, just like everything else around about me is as well. It really brings this depth of truth here. And we actually begin to say in that point in time, something needs to change. Something needs to change. And here is that change. I discover that I've been living life with me in the centre of my world. That life has been all about me. It's been my agenda. It's been my way. And it's not about God. We discover that through this work that the Spirit does in our hearts. And then I discover this, that because of all that self-centred living, living life surrounded by my desires or my agenda that I've been sinning against this God who gives me breath and life. During this initial foundational change, that's what's taking place. I'm coming to this realisation that I've lived life all about me. And this living about me brings this brokenness about me that I'm experiencing now because I've lived this way. This realisation dawns upon me. And this change that I'm looking for can only then come about 
from God who intervenes in my life and arrests this brokenness and this sliding scale that I've been sliding down into this mess of my life. It's he that does that. He arrests this brokenness. He brings this foundational realisation and change into my life that I can't make this change on my own, that it must be God who intervenes and renews me. And I understand that Jesus has done what I could never do. Jesus goes and dies upon the cross to rescue me, to pay the price of my sins. The Spirit works this into my heart, this realisation and this very foundational change. And this foundational change here, this, this miracle of change, by, we receive by faith in Jesus Christ and what he's done for me, we understand that now God declares me forgiven or justified or in a right standing before him now because of what Jesus has done for me in this foundational change, this pivotal foundational change in my life. God now, because of Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross for my sins in this foundational change, sees me as perfect and innocent before him, not for anything that I have done, but purely what Jesus has done on my behalf. I'm no longer guilty before God of sinning before him. I'm now set free from that penalty of sin because of who Jesus is and what he's done to me. This foundational change is the work God does on our behalf as a free gift of grace for us. It's so important to get that first change that's taken place in our hearts and our lives. And it's critical to understand this foundational change in moving forward into continual change that God calls us into as well. Because I'm not going through this continual change, as it were, to earn my salvation or to earn my forgiveness of sins. It's really critical to get a difference between the foundational change and the continuing on of change that God calls us into. The position of foundational change is something God now has given to me at the cost of Jesus' life. So I hope you, you get that this morning. This foundational change is what we call justification or our right standing before God is a positional change that Jesus has achieved for us. But that right standing or that justification, that positional change, that foundational change becomes the springboard where we now kick off into every other continual change that takes place in our life. So two changes here foundational and then this continual change the continual change springboards off the foundational change and here's why it's really important to get this because the devil will try and confuse us he'll try and confuse us about the continual change that we're going through that somehow we need to go through this continual change to earn God's love or earn God's approval in our lives that we haven't quite achieved that yet They've actually got to do some more things to earn God's love or earn his approval in our lives. That God doesn't accept me until I can clean myself up a little bit more. We can easily fall into that trap in this continual change thinking I've somehow got to do this maybe to earn God's love or to earn his acceptance in my life. No. No. No with a capital N and a capital O. That is not the case. The continual change has nothing to do with our positional change or foundational change that the Holy Spirit's worked in our hearts the day we accepted Christ by faith. So don't listen to the devil's lies. Don't listen to, don't listen to the lies that might even be in your own mind at this time. 
That's not true. But to help us not to listen to those lies, we've regularly got to come back to the foundational change and understand it's the finished work of Christ that establishes me in God's kingdom. Not anything that I've done, but it's purely through Christ. And we need to keep reminding ourselves of that. It's often said you've got to preach the gospel to yourself because we easily slip back into this continual change of trying to earn or achieve or get acceptance in some way. No, not at all. I'm in Christ. I'm identified by him. I'm a new creation because of what he has done for me. So this is the first and most important foundational change that takes place in our lives. Without that change, without the foundational change taking place, no other change will take place. And that's what God does for us. Okay, now we're thinking about ongoing change. After this foundational change begins the process of ongoing, continual change within us. Look at our passage here again in verse 3. It says this, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. What Paul says here is really, really important for the Thessalonians and for us today. Just as he's written for them, he's written for us these very same words. God's will and purpose for us after this foundational change that's taken place through God's work, uh, through Jesus' work on the cross, is our sanctification. And you're saying, what the heck is sanctification, probably? Have, have anybody listened to Colin Buchanan? There's a song there he's got that says, Big words that end in shun. Well, some of you heard that song. Propitiation, sanctification, justification. Big words that end in shun. So what the heck is sanctification, you might be thinking here. The word sanctified means to be set apart. To be set apart. In biblical understanding of sanctification, it means to be set apart for holy living. Set apart for holy living. When God has chosen us for his kingdom and his family, he now calls us from the foundational change into sanctification or set apart. He calls us now into holiness or holy living. God is holy and he now calls us to live in that likeness in which we were originally created in through Adam and Eve but have fallen through sin. The sanctification that God now calls us into This separation is to now be set apart from sinful living to holy living. To be set apart from sinful choices to now God-honouring choices. God is wanting to sanctify us. In one sense we are sanctified in the foundational change. We call that instantaneous sanctification. Some big words this morning, sorry about that, but that's what it is. That's that foundational change. But now we move on to progressive sanctification or ongoing change in separating ourselves from sinful choices and moving to holy lives. This direction for this continual change is to keep turning away from, you don't do it once, you do it every day of your life, from sinful choices and turning towards God-honouring choices Holy choices. Paul even refers to it right in this verse. He says there, for this is the will of God, your sanctification, and particularly for the Thessalonians, there may have been a struggle here for this, that you abstain from sexual immorality. So turn towards God by turning away from sinful choices right there in that passage. This is God's will for us. Been asked for that prayer before? Here it is. It's for our sanctification. That is God's will for our life. That is what he's calling us to. This is his expressed desire on how I should live. God, how do I live for you now? Well, he answers us right there. 
I want you to live a sanctified life, a life separated from sin and pursuing me through holy living. Now this is a continual or ongoing change of direction in our lives that we must keep following. Ongoing, continual. Well, why is that? Can't we just turn once and it's all done? Can't we just, I've turned, I've made a left-hand turn, it's all good? Why, Why does it keep going? Because when the foundational change takes place in our heart, we aren't completely renewed on the inside. There's been a big change to take place, but we're not completely renewed on the inside. We still have indwelling sinful desires resting within our heart. We still have them sitting there. Now, we won't go through it now, but Paul takes us carefully through Romans 6, 7 and 8 to show our remaining sinful nature is at war within us. It's at war within us. We want to do good, but then sin within tempts and lures me to do wrong things, pulls me back into broken living. So here's what happens. The moment you become a follower of Jesus, you and I now embark on a journey of change, a journey of transformation, a journey of sanctification, a journey of holy living now because of this foundational change that's taken place within us. And we will spend, we will spend the rest of our days in war, in war, an internal war. A war where the battle is actually fought in our heart. Not so much an external war, but an internal war. Have a look at this thing in Galatians chapter 5. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other. The flesh and the spirit are opposed to each other within to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. There's an indication there where Paul's writing to the Galatians. There's an opposition taking place within us. Again, in Romans chapter 7, like I said, Paul's got a long discussion on it there, but he says this in verse 23, But I see in my members another law waging war, there's the word war, against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. So Paul's writing this from a position of foundational change that he's a believer in Jesus and his salvation is secure in Christ, but he's saying there's still sin that dwells in my members, inside of me as a person. Aren't you all glad you came today? You're in a war for the rest of your lives. There's a battle raging inside of you. It's not a war visible to the naked eye. We can't see what's happening in somebody's heart. Sometimes we may see the fruits of that war emerge into our life. We might see some actions take place that either glorify God or we see some actions take place that yield and give in to sinful desires. Sometimes we see the fruit of that war take place. That ongoing change or that sanctification is a battle in our hearts is very often fought out in the everyday little moments of our life. It's not necessarily the sort of, you know, Custer's last stand of the, in the Civil War where just there's one big war taking place. It's very often in the very small moments of life where this war in our heart is taking place. It's a conversation here. It's an interaction over there. It's an email received. It's a social media post maybe seen. And they become little triggers in our heart for a sinful reaction or a sinful desire 
And they're just in the everyday little moments of life where they take place. The battle actually takes place mainly there. Not so much the big, there are big things that happen, but it's so much in the little areas of our life. For the rest of our days, uh, we, as we breathe, till we breathe our last, we'll be on a continual journey of change. The Holy Spirit will be working in our hearts, changing us from one degree of glory to another. Bit by bit, moment by moment, situation by situation, we'll be in a process of ongoing change. And we're going to explore some of that over these next two or three weeks as we think about how that works in the nitty gritty of life and how that uh, affects us that way. It'll be a good change though. It'll be a good change. Every work God does is good, is good. Now, please don't think that this morning is about doom and gloom as we think about war. Oh, right. I'm in a battle for the rest of my life. Great. Change, change, change. Fight, fight, fight. Is that how it's going to be for the rest of my life? Well, it will be. But all that God does is for his glory, and that's great, and it's for our good at the same time, and that's really important for us. The change that God calls us into is no different. It's a good change for us. Here's the goal of all this change, which will involve a fair amount of fighting and battle and war in our own heart, wrestling with ourselves. Here's the goal. God is going to remake us into the image of Jesus Christ, the perfect human being. Look at this in Romans 8.29. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. For those whom God loves and calls into his kingdom, he conforms them or remakes them into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. That's the goal of change. And again, it says it here in Second Corinthians 3.18, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed or changed into the same image, from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Paul's writing to the Corinthians this time and saying basically the same thing. As we behold, or as we see the glory of the Lord in the person of Jesus Christ, as we see who Jesus is and how he has lived, we are being transformed. We are being changed into that very same image, becoming like Christ through that process of sanctification. And that is a glorious thing. God loves us way too much, as it were, just to save us and then just leave us like that. Now you work it out yourself from here. God loves us way too much for that. He actually comes in a miracle of grace and puts his spirit within us to help us go through change, to help us to be remade in the image of Christ. He doesn't want to leave us suffering in all these painful choices and wrong choices and suffering under all those broken desires. He actually wants to rebuild us and remake us into the image of Christ. And that's what he does through his loving grace. He brings us into change. And he does it in the most beautiful person in the world. The most beautiful person that's ever walked the face of this earth. It is truly Jesus Christ. Jesus loved God. Jesus loved God. Lived for him perfectly and lived in a loving relationship with him wholeheartedly. This is the goal of change for us. That goal is to become a loving person the way God created us to be, to be remade back into the image of Christ, to build relationships of love and harmony with all people, 
Just like Jesus lived with love and harmony with all people, except for those who vehemently opposed him. And that will be the case for us too. We may do all we can with some people, we may not get a reciprocation of that relationship. But still, we extend our relationship in love and harmony to show grace and mercy in building people up. Become like Christ. Jesus lived in complete honesty and truth for all of his life. Hid nothing. Open book with Christ. The goal of gospel change for us is to live in truthful honesty. We don't have to lie. We don't have to live in the land of make-believe. We don't have to live a fantasy thinking we were something else. We live honestly and truthfully. God calls us to an open book life, to have everything exposed and nothing to hide. And you can hide nothing with God anyway. But he calls us into this change for truth and honesty. Jesus lived the most satisfied and fulfilling life a person could ever possibly live. Again, that is the goal of gospel change, is to find our purpose and our destiny and our identity in living for Christ. And when we do that, when we discover that, we actually find satisfaction that this world cannot offer. Fulfillment this world cannot offer when we live for Christ to make him our very identity. Jesus lives in beautiful joy, even during suffering, even during challenging hard times. The goal of gospel change is also to experience that joy in the hard places. This is where the gospel really digs deep in our lives to produce that joy in those hard places. That's the ongoing change that God's Spirit is going to work in our lives. Jesus lived a life that that brought glory to God. Jesus also wants us to, in this goal of continual gospel change, to also glorify God. So as we go through this change and we go through the battles, we go through the wars and we see change taking place in our life, people will see a reflection of the beauty and the power and the love of Christ working out through our lives and that serves to glorify him as our Lord and Saviour. That change will result in God glorifying lives as well. Today as we just wrap this up, I want to um, just share a story here, just a snapshot of a man called George Mueller. Some of you will know that. We'll just put his picture up there now. Uh, George Mueller uh, was born in 1805 to well-respected parents who collected taxes for the Prussian government. And we're going to see a picture of change here in George Mueller's life. George actually took his family for granted, a well-to-do family, well-respected family, and he lived life as a thief stealing often from his father's business, from cash that was left around from collecting the taxes, and also from other businesses around town. Eventually, uh, with a bit of a trap set by George's father, under thinking that he was uh, knowing what George was up to, he was caught stealing from his father and caught stealing from other businesses by the police. And what happened was, George's father bailed him out of the uh, prison and got him back to home again in a loving way. And then George was asked to go to Bible college. And that was to please his father and to enjoy the good life, as it were. Now you might think, why Bible college? That was very important back in those days. They often would go to seminary. So George chose to do that. He did. But George went to Bible college or seminary to become a party animal. You might think, in 1805, was there such a thing as a party animal back then? Absolutely. Drinking, card playing and anything else for a good time in George Mueller's life. On one summer break, he and his three friends went on a month-long trip, which we would call today probably a pub crawl and a clubbing extravaganza. That did take place back then. They slept in open fields during the day 
and they partied all night in the local pub in the, in the nearest village. Even here, George Mueller ripped off his three friends, still keeping up his thieving activities going on. When they returned home from this month-long trip, one night George was invited by a lady friend to hear a guest preacher, a Mr Wagner. George Mueller was captivated that night. He was captivated as you heard the Bible opened up in truth. The Holy Spirit was beginning to do a foundational change in the life of George Mueller. He opened up the eyes of George to see the truth of who Jesus Christ as his saviour dying on the cross for all of George's sins. When that foundational change took place, here's an excerpt I'm going to read to you from the biography that I read about. Here's what it says. All this was an abrupt about-face for George. Many of his friends from De Gruner Tisch found it impossible to believe that it was not some elaborate trick. But as the days went by, even they had to admit something was strangely different about George. He certainly wasn't the old George Mueller they'd spent so many nights in the alehouse or the pub with. This George didn't want to drink beer with them anymore. He didn't want to go to parties. He didn't want to borrow money. He didn't even want to tell funny stories about his narrow escapes. All he seemed to want to do now was read the new Bible he bought for himself and ask people questions about God and what they thought about and what they thought of religion. And he was always going off to these strange meetings where people read sermons when it even wasn't a Sunday. George's friends were revolted by this change in George. George Mueller had been through a foundational change by God's spirit in his life. His drinking buddies may not have liked it, but it was a glorious change. George Mueller was born again. A foundational change. Instead of now stealing money, which was George's life up to that point in time, George now began to give money away very, very generously. He continued on a life of change which eventually saw George Mueller build orphanages for London street children, which housed up to probably over 10,000 children over a number of years in those orphanages. Just a dramatic change in the life of George Mueller. A foundational change and then a continual change as God was shaping George Mueller back into the image of Jesus Christ. That's the sort of change we want to see in our hearts and lives. And God will do it differently for all of us. But it's a dramatic foundational change and then it's a moment by moment continual change which is going to work a beautiful picture of Christ living out through our lives. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you now as we come and uh, we open up your word and just think about what Paul is telling the Thessalonians, Lord, for this is the will of God for you, your sanctification. God, I ask and pray now, please help us as we begin to embark on this over these next few weeks, thinking about this, that God, you would do a real uh, deep and prolonged work in our hearts of ongoing change, shaping us and moulding us into the image of Christ, helping us, Lord, to do battle in the war in our hearts, the desires of the flesh working against the desires of the spirit. I pray, Lord, through that you would produce beautiful change in our hearts and lives as we humbly submit ourselves to Christ as we humbly submit ourselves to your leading and guiding Holy Spirit in our lives, as we humbly submit ourselves to your word, transforming our mind. Help us all to be encouraged and equipped to continue on in this change, that, Lord, through this change, you would be honoured and glorified and people would be drawn to you through the change in our lives. Today, Lord, we ask and we pray that now in Jesus' name. 
Amen. We trust you have enjoyed our Bible talk from today. If you have any questions or comments from today's talk, please feel free to contact us at info at exchangechurch.org.au. Also, we love to welcome new people at Exchange Church in person, so consider yourself invited to be with us. 